You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Good morning, Refuge Community Church. Uh, My name is Gordon and I'm coming to you from Edinburgh in Scotland today. It's so good to be with you. Just a little bit about me before we get started. Uh, So I'm a pastor here in Edinburgh. I'm the husband of but one wife and I have two little boys, Abraham and Malachi. My wife, Grace, actually hails originally from North Carolina. And so she's been doing a bit of coaching with me this week to to get me around some pronunciation that's hopefully going to help us understand each other um, in our time this morning. So just to recap, we are in our series, New Mercies, the Gospel in Personal Growth. And so far, we've looked at a couple of things. Uh, Firstly, the setting for that personal growth, which takes place in the highs and lows of life. And then the purpose for that personal growth, that it's a a gospel and restoration uh, work for us and for others and ultimately all of creation through which God himself is glorified. Well, today we're going to open up some of the obstacles for personal growth, some of the things that can hold us back from the kind of growth that God desires to bring about in our lives and how the gospel can enable and empower us to overcome them. So as we get started here, let me just ask you a question. Um, If you're interested in experiencing this kind of growth, then what do you think is holding you back right now? And if you've got that in your mind's eye, then what what would you see as some of the solutions that could help you overcome those obstacles? I don't know about you, but my social media feeds all the time right now seem to be bombarded with constant messages from companies and organizations and individuals who are all trying to help me solve my deepest uh, problems, that everybody's got an idea of the obstacles that we're facing and everybody has a solution they're in, whether it's shedding a few pounds and getting in shape or becoming more productive and organized or experiencing relational health and breakthrough. Everybody's got an idea of what problems we might have and a solution um, to how we can experience breakthrough and overcome those things. And what they have in common, uh, all of those different avenues, is this, that the answer to overcoming the obstacles we face is to be found in here. That ultimately, if we just have the right information about what our problems are and the right information about the best solutions, then we ourselves have the power. We've got what it takes to take back control and progress towards a greater future of growth and fruitfulness and joy. Now, that's a really appealing idea. I would love to be the master of my own fate. But what we're going to see is that the gospel has an entirely different take on things. And I want to open up a scripture with us today and that gives us some unique insight into that and to the gospel answer to the obstacles that are going to hold us back from personal growth. So without further ado, let's dive right in. This is going to be Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right 
hand of the throne of God. Amen. Now this is a tremendously rich and just neat feast of a, of a scripture, or if you're a vegetarian like me, a aubergine or avocado feast. <laughs> and it's got some incredible insights into some of the things that can hold us back from godly personal growth. And the three things I think it's important for us to see here uh, are these. Firstly, weight. Secondly, sin. And thirdly, endurance. And I want to talk about each one of those in turn. Firstly, uh, the author is telling us here to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now we'll talk about sin uh, in a moment, but, but notice that there seems to be a distinction made between sin and weight. Now I've been reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible, the New International Version, and translates that weight as everything that hinders. And the message, if you like the message, it's good fun sometimes, and rather playfully describes it as extra spiritual fat, which I quite like. And the original, original word here has a connotation of an encumbrance. And so what we're talking about here are, are things that can slow us down spiritually. Now, here's the interesting part. The author seems to be suggesting that those things aren't necessarily sinful. That some of the obstacles that we face in personal growth in God aren't actually evil, but are often really good things that have taken a place of prominence and even dominance in our lives to the point where they squeeze out our opportunity for gospel growth. Now, a simple example of that might be how many times a day your thumb does this. Now, I'm recording this on my phone, so I can't show you my phone right now, but uh, you get the idea. Now, are our our phones or is social media inherently evil? Probably not, although the Social Dilemma movie might have something to say about that. But, But can our relentless scrolling and searching for inspiration and stimulation and entertainment be a weight and a hindrance and a reason for extra spiritual fat developing in our lives? Absolutely. Augustine of Hippo famously said, O Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are truly restless until they find their rest in you. And I wonder if you can identify with that kind of sense of restlessness that seems to be endemic in our culture. In our modern, busy, constantly on-the-go lives, there are actually a deceptively high number of things that probably don't seem to be burdens or weights in the sense of how we engage with them, but that can actually be hindrances to us growing in the way that God desires us to. And so as we get started here, do me a favor. Take an audit of how you spend your time and ask yourself, is this a help or a hindrance to me growing in God. I think we might be surprised by some of the things that we find in there. So the first thing that can hold us back are weights, things that hold us back and slow us down spiritually. Secondly, the scripture tells us to lay aside our sin, which clings so closely. Other translations put it, which entangles so easily. And it's this powerful picture of what sin really is, that it's a a parasite clinging to us and sapping the life out of us and a snare entrapping our feet as we try to move forwards. Now, this might seem like an obvious thing to say in church, but persistent and unchallenged sin in our lives will always stop us from growing in Christ. And therefore, we need to be ruthless in eliminating it, in rooting it out. 
And that can be a, a deeply uncomfortable thing for us. Because I'm sure, you know, most of us would probably like a more healthy relationship with our social media, whatever it is that's a weight that's not a sin. But when it comes to talking about our personal sin, that can get pretty awkward and fast. But if we're going to follow Jesus, then, and we want the kind of uh, personal growth that he has for us, then we need to get serious about confronting everything and anything in our lives that the Bible calls sin. Simply put, if we want to grow, sin has got to go. And thirdly, and, and this is kind of uh, more implicit than explicit in the text, but the third thing that can hold us back from the kind of growth that God wants to bring about in our lives is a lack of what I'll call spiritual endurance. The text says that we are to run the race with endurance. And that means that this race, this journey that we're on with God is clearly a marathon, uh, not a sprint. <laughs> but for us, how often do we actually want things instantly with little or no effort. We've got our Amazon Prime uh, next day delivery. We've got instant communication at our, our fingertips. We've got access to so many things that we want and some things that we actually need um, quicker, faster, more efficiently and easily than really any other generation in history. And because of that, I would suggest that we're probably one of the most impatient generations in all history. But the path of personal growth in Jesus does not come with next day delivery and with immediate results guaranteed. No, it's a process. It's a journey. Uh, the late, great uh, Eugene Peterson famously described discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, but if we're honest, that kind of endurance and persistence and resilience doesn't come naturally to many of us. So this scripture gives us a phenomenal diagnosis of the kinds of things that can hold us back from personal growth in Jesus. These are the real obstacles that we need to, we need to face into. And the scripture is calling us to lay them aside, to, to run with endurance. But for me, the question there, therefore becomes, well, how? Where does the power to do that come from? How do we effectively lay aside every weight and this sin that clings so closely that we can't seem to shake off? And how do we discover the endurance to actually run this race and keep on going? Well, the answer is, is not through the kind of things that we hear so often out there or in here. It is not to be found in trying harder or knowing more or just doing better. No, no, no. It's, it's found in looking at Jesus. So often the instincts of our culture and our, ourselves tell us to look within for the source of strength and resolve to overcome the barriers we face that if we can only just discover something in ourselves then we can be our own deliverance. But the gospel never says look inside, it says look at him. Look at Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty reflective kind of person and it's easy for me to therefore spend quite a bit of time, you know, identifying and analyzing my weaknesses and failures and deficiencies and trying to come up with a plan to overcome them and myself uh, to focus so much on the fact that I haven't yet finished the race that I lose sight of the fact that Jesus already has. But if we can allow our gaze to shift from ourselves and from the obstacles that we face uh, to overcome um, and, and recenter our focus on Jesus, we'll discover that he himself is the source of the power that we need to prevail. And here's why. Firstly, it's because he is the author, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now that word founder uh, doesn't mean that he just originated the belief system known as Christianity. It has the connotation of being the first in a long procession, a file leader who, who pioneers the way for others to follow. And perfecter here means consummator, means one who is bringing a process to its finish and its completion. And here's why that's good news for us. It means that it's Jesus who's begun faith in us. And it's Jesus who's the one that is leading us forward and progressing us in that faith. And it's Jesus who's the one who will bring that journey to its completion, that he will finish the good work that he's started, as Paul writes to us in Philippians. And that is such a source of confidence for us because it means that you and I are not the source of our own strength to prevail and overcome. He is. And that is good, good news. And the reason that Jesus is able to establish faith in us and bring that faith to completion, to perfection, is because he has already finished the race on our behalf. The text says that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That image of him being seated at the right hand of the throne indicates that he has fully accomplished what he set out to do, that his work is complete, that there's nothing more he can add to it. And here's what that finished work is. Jesus is our substitute. He has lived a life that you and I could not. He has lived a life of perfect righteousness and obedience to God the Father. And he has died the death that we deserve to die. He's taken on himself at that cross all that sin that clings so closely that we are powerless to overcome in and of ourselves and that we rightly deserve God's judgment for. Jesus has paid its price in full. And he has risen from the grave in victory to offer the glorious and redeeming work um, to anyone who will repent and believe in him. He has endured the cross. He has carried all of our sin and our shame and our failure. He has taken those things from us and he has set us free from everything that might hold us. And he alone is our source of victory and power to overcome. And as we fix our gaze on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, there's one more thing that I think it's important for us to see, and that's his motivation. Why did Jesus do all of this? 
Oh, how was it that he was able to endure and overcome and finish the race on our behalf? It's for the joy set before him. I love this because it means that it wasn't duty or obligation or to prove something. It was joy. It was a joy set before him that motivated, that compelled Jesus to endure and overcome. And that joy is the joy of what his suffering would accomplish. First and foremost, glory for the name of his father. And then for us, redemption, salvation and freedom for the countless multitudes who would repent and believe and put their trust in him. People like you and me. I share that and I think that's important because as we fix our gaze on our king, we've got to know that his motivation was one of great joy. And as we do, I believe so will ours become. That, that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, he himself becomes the joy set before us that captures our hearts and that draws us on into growth and freedom that supplies to us that endurance that we need. And so let's try and land this and uh, let's, let's have a, have a, see if we can uh, see how we can respond to the truth that we've unpacked together today. Firstly, I think it starts with being truly aware of the obstacles that stand in our path, the things that can hold us back. What is that weight? What is that sin? Where is that lack of endurance? It's good to be able to identify those things, but let's not stop there. Know what those things are, but then fix your gaze on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Let our focus not be on ourselves or on the obstacles that we face, but on the King who has gone before us, who has run this race, who has completed the course and who stands at the finish line, who himself is our victory, the joy that has been set before us. As we close, I just want to give us a couple of practical ways that we can do that. What does that look like for us to keep our eyes on Jesus for him to become the joy set before us? Here's two ways I think we can practically put this in place in our lives this week. Let's return to the very start of this passage. It says, since we are therefore surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. If we want to keep our eyes on the prize, then I believe we've got to surround ourselves with witnesses. Here's what I mean by that. For in the first instance, the author is referring uh, to the previous chapter, Hebrews 11, where the heroes of the Old Testament um, are listed, and it's often known as the, the Hall of Faith. And it's through their stories, uh, through their witness, that we find inspiration um, to run with our eyes on the prize. And so, number one, let's surround ourselves with the witness of Scripture. Let's allow these stories of God and um, God's Word to inspire us and to encourage us. In fact, thinking about the weights that hold us back, particularly the weights attached to our thumbs, Let's set down those things and let's pick up God's word and let's allow his word to minister to us, to strengthen us, to inspire us and to encourage us. But secondly, I'd like to propose an additional application of that verse. We need to surround ourselves with the witness of scripture. Absolutely. But I believe we also need to be surrounded by a community of witness too. 
men and women of faith who can spur us on to love and faith and good works as Hebrews 10 teaches us. Especially in this time of global, global pandemic and the isolation and the disconnection that it's forced upon us, we need to be fighting for relationship, for community, to be around those who can help us keep our eyes on the prize, staying focused on Jesus and his complete sufficiency for us. If you're into sports or the gym, then you'll know that there's an exponential difference uh, in having a training partner in terms of your progress and your results. And so my encouragement to, to you, if you're um, in Austin just now, get connected to the spiritual family here at Refuge and experience the power of being surrounded by a community of witnesses as you run after Jesus together. Refuge, it's been a joy, it's been a privilege uh, to be with you today. It's been an honor to unpack God's word uh, this morning. Um, and my prayer uh, for you and for me is that we would experience the power and the beauty and the joy of Jesus, that he would become the joy set before us as we courageously run this race um, after him together. God bless you. Much grace. See you soon. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 